praise the name of the Lord. I want to welcome all of you today. We're so grateful that you're here with us. I believe I have something very important and very special to share with you. Thank you, praise team. Always, oh, you give them a God bless. Aren't they just tremendous? We just appreciate them so much. God bless you. We find ourselves in the book of Jonah this morning, and then we'll look at 1 John chapter 4. If you brought your Bibles, I keep saying that. I'm glad you got your phones, but uh, if you brought your Bibles, I want you to bring your Bibles to church. I was raised that way. I don't know. I know we're in a different day today, but uh, that doesn't replace the... My phone will never replace the Word of God, I'll tell you straight up. Isn't it sad that we seem to go to Google more than we do to God? It's kind of a sad thing today. Jonah chapter 4, we'll begin at verse number 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly... And he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and he said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying? When I was yet in my country, therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. Tarshish is, is in Spain, just for those that may not know where Tarshish is. For I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful. We've been singing about this. Slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of evil. Therefore, now, O Lord, take I beseech thee my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Dost thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth, and he sat under. In the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord prepared a gourd, some kind of plant, and made it to come up over Jonah. And it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceedingly glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm. When the morning rose the next day and smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah. And he fainted and wished to himself to die. And he said, it is better for me to die than to live. And Jonah said, God said to Jonah, dost thou well to be angry for the gourd and he said I do well to be angry even unto death then said the Lord thou hast pity on the gourd for the which thou hast not labored neither madest it grow which came up in a night and perished in a night and should not I spare Nineveh that great city wherein are more than 120,000 people that cannot discern between right hand and their left hand and also much cattle. Wow. A fascinating story we have here this morning. I've entitled this message, 
How dare you be merciful? How dare you be merciful? Jonah is upset with God, and we're going to find out in a few moments what went on in his life, but I need to ask a question by way of introduction this morning. How much of your spiritual reality has truly been saturated into your behavior? In other words, I'm asking, your knowledge of God, how has your knowledge of God affected your life? How has the information you've attained, maybe through the Bible, about knowing God, how much has that affected how you live day by day? You've heard me say over and over again, knowledge without experience means nothing. There's a lot of people that have a lot of knowledge about God, but having knowledge about God does not save you. Having knowledge about God does not transform your heart. It can, but it doesn't necessarily mean it does. In our text, Jonah seems to be sensitive enough to hear from God, but his attitude towards people is unbelievable. It's despicable, actually. Here is the prophet of God who's called by God to go and preach to the Ninevites, which were a gentle group of these Assyrians to the north. They were not Jews. They were not Hebrews. And Jonah is upset with God that he would ask him to do such a thing. And so we need to continue to ask, how is this possible? How can your vertical be so strong, Jonah? And your horizontal be so weak. He despised them. How can we say we have this connection with God? This is a vertical connection. Yet our horizontal relationships with people are so weak. I know people that seem to be so spiritual. Oh my goodness. They go to every prayer meeting. They know their Bible. Oh my goodness. They seem to have a great vertical relationship. But then they walk out of church and you hear them cursing their husband in the parking lot. I've actually experienced this. I've seen this. They seem so spiritual. They, they weep at the altar. They're, they do so many things on the external. They, they, they do, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible what they might do. I'm confused. How can you walk in such glory and hate your ex-wife? How can you walk in such glory and cheat on your income tax? How can you say that you know God, but you can't love each other? How can you say you know God, and you can't stand sitting beside that person that's next to you in the pew? Oh friend, oh friend, I've got to keep asking questions this morning. When is your, when is my vertical going to match the horizontal. Because it is at that point, at that point, where Jesus will truly be seen in your life, it is at that point when you become a true believer, where Jesus says that we are the salt. That's at that moment that you become salt. Not just positionally, but practically. When you're vertical, catches up to your horizontal 
When your vertical is connected with your horizontal. You see, Jonah had a problem. He heard from God. He was a prophet of God. He had a vertical connection with God. But his horizontal relationships were terrible. Do you know people like that? Jesus says you're the salt of the earth. What does salt do? Salt creates thirst. Salt heals. Salt adds flavor. Many, many more things. Salt makes a difference. Salt is powerful. And if Jesus calls us the salt of the earth, then we are to reflect what natural salt does. We are to do that in the spiritual realm. Let me ask you, I'm asking questions. Let me ask you another question, my friend, my brother, or my sister. Would you like you if you met you? (laughs) Just throw that out there. Would you like you if you met you? What would you think of you if you met you? Now just think about that for a moment. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. See, the problem with Jonah is that Jonah had a lack of of compassion, a lack of love. He had bitterness in his heart. He hated the Ninevites for what they did to his people. And he never got over that. And when God told him, I want you to go to Nineveh, Jonah, and share my love with the Ninevites because they're, they're people. And I love people. I want you to share my love with them, Jonah. You're called to be a prophet. He got upset with God that God had the audacity how dare you God be merciful had the audacity to show love to, to these, these, these godless people and so he ran away from God in bitterness 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 my friends he got calloused callousness of heart bitterness gives birth to callousness and hardness and unforgiveness he was bitter against the Ninevites for what they did Someone said to me a while ago, and maybe you've heard this from somebody else, but it's the same sun that melts the wax that hardens the clay. The same sun that melts the wax but hardens the clay. How many have heard my illustration about the potato and the egg? I must have said it about 20 times, so if you don't know, and I'm going to say 21 times because it it bears repeating. So, so, so ladies, and for some gentlemen, if I got a, a pot of boiling water, okay, I got a pot of boiling, and, and I want to boil a potato, so I put a potato in the boiling water, what's going to happen to the potato? It gets soft, true? So what happens if I take an egg and put it in the boiling water? What's going to happen to the egg? So, so would it be safe to say the same boiling water that softens the potato hardens the egg? But it's the same boiling water. The sun, when it beats down its rays, will melt the wax, but it hardens the clay. I'm going somewhere. I'm going to stay with me this morning. Softens and hardens. Either it becomes soft and tender or hard. You see, brothers and sisters, when you and I face a trial, when you and I face some kind of heat, When you and I are in some boiling water, some furnace, either you will 
come out of that furnace hotter, tough, and calloused, or you'll come out of that boiling water like a potato, soft and tender. It all depends on your attitude. Well, you know, it, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have. And if it wasn't for, you know, my husband did it. You know, it's funny because uh, I shared a few weeks ago about the cockroach story, and I won't repeat that, but, uh, but I'm going to tell you another story that we had in my house with my wife the other day. It's, it's similar. And so, and so I was studying. I, was, I just finished daily devotions, and I hear this shrieking sound from my wife. I said, what, what's going on? She says, it's a bug. It's a bug. I said, I said, what do you mean bug? It's one of those big, ugly things. You know those big daddy long leg ones? You know, they come out this time of the year. It's got these long legs and the wings, and it's about this big, and it's, it, it's menacing looking, but it's harmless as a dove, believe me. And she said, it's a bug. It's ugly. And so, and so she's freaking out. And so I said, okay, where is it? You know? And so it's over there. So I went there, and I saw it, and I, just picked it up by the wings and said, very nice. And, and I went, opened the door, and I just released it. No big deal. So, so I, I, I thought about it and, it, and and I realized, what's the difference between Natty and me? There's a lot of difference, I know that. I'm not going there. But the difference in this story, keep your minds on the story. It's how she reacted. How she reacted to the bug was different how I reacted. See, she reacted, I responded. The same bug caused her to freak out. But the same bug caused me to, no big deal. Are you with me? When you go through some kind of trial, some kind of adversity, some issue in your life that is shaking you, Either you're going to respond in a hard way or something will take place that will cause you to respond in a way that brings softness rather than hardness. Jonah was told to go to the Ninevites. He despised them and he runs and he takes off. You see... Brothers and sisters, when the Ninevites are with you, when these ugly bugs surround you, when the furnace is hot, when trials and pain and adversity come knocking at your door, we need to ask, how am I going to respond to this? Are we going to blame my boss because he's mean and he's always looking down at me? Am I going to play, uh, blame the bug which is ugly and it's got big wings and big legs and I'm saying, am I going to blame the Ninevites because they did this last year and he did this and she said this and this is what happened? Are we going to blame, are we going to blame what disturbs us? Are we going to blame that boss? Oh my friends, just hold on for a minute. You see, it's not necessarily the bug. The bug caused Nadia to respond a certain way, but I didn't respond that way. So is it the bug that disturbs me? Is it my boss that disturbs me? No, no. But my inability to handle the disturbances caused by the bug, caused 
by my boss. And so, and so when these disturbances come to me, we must ask ourselves, how do we handle them? How do we deal with them? How does Jonah deal with the Ninevites that really disturb him? He hates them. And so it's in the reaction that's the problem. That's creating the chaos in my life. One will react, but the other will respond. Reaction is usually a carnal thing. It's a knee-jerk response. But when you respond, it's calculated. There's peace. There's a calmness about it. You don't react right away. You respond. You respond. And so Jonah reacted. He hates the Ninevites. He's leaving. He's running. Even Jesus said in John 16, 1 to 2, he said, he said, you kill the prophets and you think you're doing God's service. How many people think they are doing God's will, but they're killing and they're hurting people and they don't even know it? Do you know, friends, just by virtue of your humanity, you will hurt people. Just by virtue of your humanity, you will offend people. You may not want to offend people. You may not desire to do that at all. But ultimately, you might, you might do that. And some people think they're doing the service of the Lord, but they're hurting people. In Acts chapter 9, you remember Saul. Saul hated the Christians. He was a devout Hebrew. And he was out to destroy the Christians. And the Bible says, as he testified, he felt he was doing God's will until he was converted. How many people in God's service think they're doing God's will, but they're not? And they're adamant about it. They're convinced about it. This is God's will. you're wrong you think you're doing God's will you see the point I'm trying to make this morning and I'm going to go a little deeper with this is that there are many people who have certain blind spots that they're not able to see all of us in this room have certain blind spots that we do not see and when you have a blind spot that you do not see you can become very critical of other people but you don't see your own faults you don't see your own issues, but you're quick to point the finger at somebody else. There are blind spots. You don't see clearly. In 1 John chapter 4, I want to break this down because this is really my second text. And I want you to see how powerful this is. 1 John chapter 4, I want you to notice something so amazing. We're beginning at verse number 17. Herein is our love made perfect. Now... Perfect does not mean perfection. The Greek word here means mature. Nobody can love perfectly. That's impossible. Only God can love perfectly. It means here is where love is seen in its maturity. That's what the Greek says. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so we are in this world. God gives us a love and we walk in his love and it gives us a certain sense of security. God's people should be secure. They know who they are. They're loved by God and they experience something that sets them apart. We have a certain boldness. This is an arrogance. It's just a sense of confidence that God has touched your life and it gives you a certain perspective and there's a certain joy in your life. There's a certain peace that comes and when you have peace and you have joy, there's a certain confidence a godly confidence. This is what John is saying. Let's continue. Verse number 18. I'm going somewhere. There is no fear in love. 
But perfect love or mature love casts out fear. You can't love God and walk in fear. It's impossible. You can't have a deep connection with God and have fear control your life. Jonah was plagued with fear. He feared the Ninevites and he feared what God was going to do. Because fear hath torment. If you're walking with God and you know God, there's a peace in your life. There's no torment. That doesn't mean you don't suffer, you don't go through trials. Of course you do. But there shouldn't be any torment. Torment's a powerful word. He that fear is not made perfect in his life. You can't walk in love and walk in fear at the same time. And I don't want to expand on this too much because... Uh, there's so much more to tackle. But he continues in verse number 10. Look, it says, it says, we love him because he first loved us. So, so, so we're able to love God because God reached out to us. Because God touched us. And because God touched us, we're able to love. We're able to do something because of some experience that we have that sets us apart. We've been touched by God. Verse number 20. Now watch this. If any man say, now here, this is powerful. If any man say, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Wow. So, so the Bible doesn't mix any words here. You say you love God and you don't love your brother, then you're a liar. You hate the Ninevites, you're a liar. For he that loves not his brother, whom he's has seen, I see you. I see you right here. If I can't love you and I see you, how in the world can I say that I love God and I don't see him? There are people who come to church, they'll come to church day after day, week after week, and they won't even want to connect with anybody else. There's something wrong. Love is visible. Love is a verb. It's not an action. It's not, it's not a noun. There's action. There's involvement. There's something tangible that takes place when you love. And some people can't love for whatever reason. And some of them say they know God. But there's something that's wrong inside. Let me go further. You see, some of you don't see yourselves properly because you're in pain. Some of you don't have that connection with God. You want to, but you're not able to because, because there's torment, there's fear. Something's happened inside of you and you don't love yourself. That's why you can't love yourself because you got fear, you got pain inside. And, and, and this pain is, is causing you to think a certain way. Your pain. And when someone comes along who wants to love you, you won't let them love you because you don't love yourself. My God, I'm speaking to somebody out there. He wants to love you, man, but you're not letting him love you because you don't love yourself and you don't think yourself worthy. Or you won't admit it. But that's what fear does. That's what low self-esteem does. It, you push people away because you don't understand why anyone would love someone like me. I call this self-sabotage. I see it. I see it quite often, actually. So the Bible says, 
if he loves God and hates his brother. He's li living and walking in, in, in a false truth. How can there be so many denominations in this world that seem to hate each other? Churches that hate each other. Preachers and ministers that hate each other. I'm talking about places where God's love needs to be seen. God's love needs to be seen in these places more. Hey, can I go further? And I got to pause here. What about in our own families? Mothers and fathers and children. Sons and daughters living in their homes. But they hate each other. Say, oh, pastor, come on. Hey. I've seen it over and over again. Mothers who can't get along with their daughters. Husbands who don't get along with their wives and their children. Siblings hating each other. And let's not go too far. We think, oh, that must be the ways of the world. No, my friends, I've seen it in the church. The family should be a place of sanctuary, a place of warmth, a place of safety. Yet for many families, it's, it's, it's a place of torment. Well, in the Jonah, Jonah lives in that family, you see. So I speak to the Jonas out there. Then please put your Bibles down, Jonah. Stop raising your hands and stop bringing the gift to the altar, as Jesus says, and leave it there and go make it right with your brother. Put your hands down and go make it right with your brother. Put your Bibles down and go make it right with your brother. You see, my friends, when it comes to forgiveness, it is always your turn. You don't know what he did to me and I'm waiting for it. Jesus said, put your gift down and go and make it right. Deal with it first. Make it right. The Bible says if you don't love your brother... You're a liar. These are strong words. <laughs> Interesting. And, and this, is, this happened not too many years ago. I, a fellow minister came to me one day and he says he's getting a new church. And he said to me, you know, you know, Dino, I said, I really love the ministry. I said, well, praise God. So do I. He said, I really love the ministry. But, 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 but uh, I, I, I don't love the people. <laughs> you can't love the ministry and not love the people. It's impossible. If you do, then something is wrong. There's a blind spot. Blind. We're bl There's a blind spot. We don't see properly. There's something missing. We're blinded to something. We're blind to something. We don't see. The Ninevites have blinded us. The, the, the problems have made me hard as, like clay. The, 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 the Ninevites has affected me. I've allowed them to affect me. And I've become like a hard-boiled egg inside my spirit. Inside my heart, I'm getting harder and harder. Oh my goodness. You know, friends, not a single scar on a man's heart comes from an enemy 
They all come from people who say they love you. That's what hurts. The enemies, well, they can bother you, but what really hurts is when someone says they love you. It hurts. Anytime you are connected with someone who loves God and yet is not able to forgive or say I'm sorry or apologize, there are some serious concerns. Can I say it? I doubt, I doubt if, they, if they can't forgive, I really doubt if they have an authentic relationship with God. Unforgiveness. Sometimes people will use unforgiveness as a defense mechanism. Or even for punishment. I'm not going to forgive you because, you know, I'm not going to lower myself to forgive you. And they almost hold you like hostage when the very opposite is the truth. You know, friends, I used to think that to forgive is a benefit for others. Well, that could be true. But, but if I can go a little bit deeper, you see, friends, forgiveness is a gift. A gift I make to myself. Forgiveness is a gift I make for myself. I'm not able to forgive. I'm in hostage. I'm watching out where that person is. Oh, oh, there. And you walk the other side. You don't want to be seen. You want to get away from that person. You don't. You're in bondage. You're not free. See, friends, the reason why I'm speaking on this today because there are so many people who have blind spots today that very easily they can quickly pinpoint everybody else's faults. You know, you ever, you ever meet people like that? Quick to judge? You know, it's funny. You know, they can pinpoint, P-E-N point, pinpoint all the faults that you and I might have, but when it comes to their own, somehow the pen runs dry. You know? <laughs> Uh, I got no more ink. I'm sorry. I, 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 I lost my pen. <laughs> Have you been? <laughs> Blind spots. We see the faults of others very clearly, but we are blinded to our own. When I was a boy, My father would be very upset when I used to go out quite a bit when I was in my teens. And uh, I'd come home late at night, and he didn't like that. And Friday nights, of course, was the night I would go out the most, you know, with Friday nights and my friends. And, and so I'd come home late, and my father wanted to teach me a lesson. And Saturday, my father would clean the house. He, 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 he liked to clean. And so my father's cleaning the house, and he would make sure every Saturday morning he'd be cleaning the house at seven in the morning, he'd come into my room and he starts dusting the counters, and making this noise, the curtains. I said, Dad, what are you doing? I'm trying to sleep. Kept doing it, kept doing it. And I used to get so mad at my dad. But I, I saw something I never seen before. Have you ever noticed when the room is dark and maybe you're trying to fix something or dust something, but you don't really see anything. But the minute you pull the curtains aside and the sun comes in, you're able to see the dust particles. Have you ever seen that? So they were there all along, but you couldn't see it because you were dark. But the minute the light comes, 
The minute the light comes, you're able to see the dust particles. That's what happens when God touches your heart. You're able to see things you didn't see before. That's why David said to search me, O Lord, and see if there be anything wicked. That's why Paul said, examine your hearts, examine yourselves. And that's why Job said, teach me to see, Lord. And that's why we sing that song, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my I want to see. See, you're not able to see unless God opens your heart. And so having said all that, let's break it down this morning. I've got a bit of time, not too much, but here it is. Jonah is upset with God and he hates the Ninevites. And he's mad at God for being so loving, so merciful, so tender. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever experienced that maybe as a parent? You know, you're showing love perhaps to, to, to one, of the, one of your sons or daughters. And, and, and the other sibling gets upset because you're showing them love. And you're not planning to show more love. but you're showing, And they get upset with you because you're showing love. And you're showing mercy and compassion. But you see, there's a problem with Jonah. He hates the Ninevites. He's mad at God for doing this. But you see, what Jonah has is what I call selective amnesia. How dare you be merciful, Lord? How can you be so angry at God reaching out to the Ninevites, Jonah? Did you forget what God did in your life? Have you forgotten how God has shown you mercy, Jonah? Have you forgotten when you're running away from God, when a big storm came, when you were on the ship and you could have died, how God protected you, used a whale to sustain you, you didn't see it then, you were so full of rage and anger, did you not see God working in your life? You should have been dead, Jonah, but God intervened. God helped you. And now you want God to destroy the Ninevites? Is this not the same God who heard you crying out of the belly of a fish? Yeah, yeah, when you were running away. Who brought you up also out of the horrible pit. Out of the miry clay who set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. Has that not happened to you, Jonah? Are you just remembering certain things and forgetting other things? Uh, yeah, did you not forget? Did you, did you, did you, have you forgotten that God gave you a second chance? And a third chance? And now you're upset with God because God wants to show mercy to, to some Gentile heathens? You think you're better than them, Jonah? Is that what you think? You think you're better than them? After you totally disobeyed God? After he blessed you and called you and chose you and now you don't want God to show the same kind of mercy like he's shown you, Jonah? 
Look, Jonah, mercy doesn't end with you. No, it could have started with you. It could have, I, I showed my mercy to you, Jonah, God speaking. And now I want you to take that mercy and show it to the Ninevites. Yeah, it could have started with you. But I'm sending you, Jonah, as an extension of my mercy. As an extension of my grace. As an extension of my love. To go and reach out and touch people. That's why people got baptized. If there wasn't somebody who shared the gospel with some of those candidates who got baptized they would have never got baptized for baptized for how can they hear without a preacher someone's got to share the love of God someone's got to speak the truth of God even if truth is rejected today somebody's got to go to Nineveh and let people know how much God loves them have you forgotten that Jonah to show mercy Compassion, are you not my ambassador? Paul says we are his ambassadors. We represent Christ. So how dare you hold a grudge against the Ninevites? How dare you have the nerve to tell me who you can't stand and hate when you know that it's by my mercy that you came and you experienced you can't even take a breath aside from my presence. You can't even get up in the morning without me. You can't function without me. For in him we live and move and have our being, the Bible says. It's when you know that you should have died. And now, you don't want me to to bless these people. Do you really know who they are, Jonah? Are you that prejudiced? Have you forgotten what God has done in your life? Don't you love that song? When I think about the Lord, how He saved me, how He changed me, how he saved me to the uttermost. How he filled me with his Holy Ghost. When I want to shout hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of the God. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me. How he raised me. If I really think about it. And I'm grateful to God for what he's done in my life. Then who are you? Who am I to judge the Ninevites? You see selective amnesia is a stronger type of amnesia. It's when you remember some things and not others. <laughs> and I'm not talking about forgetting how to play piano or how to skate or how to play backgammon. No, no, no. Uh, Jonah's forgetting that all the things and all the people that he hates, that they needed forgiveness too. Everybody needs forgiveness. How dare you say that they're not even worthy of that? 
Are they not people? Are we not to try to reach out to people? Despite color, creed, race, background? Is this not why Jesus came to the earth? He came to seek and save the what? What would Jonah have thought if he saw Jesus talking with the prostitutes and the beggars and the Samaritans and the non-Hebrews? What would Jonah think of Jesus? Yes, Jonah, you're angry at God for the very thing you needed God to do for yourself. <laughs> oh, Jonah, Jonah, what I'm asking you to do is to reflect the mercy that I showed you, that you've experienced to others. My friend, the reason I can forgive is because I've been forgiven. See, if you haven't been forgiven, I can understand it. But if I've been forgiven and I'm walking with God and I know God and I can't forgive, I have a real problem with that. Do you know sometimes the people who are the hardest to love are the ones who need it the most? Can I say that again? The ones that are the hardest to love are the ones that need it. The most, Jonah, the Ninevites, they need it. I know it's hard to love them, but they need it the most. Your friend that you can't stand, that's saying terrible things, might be even bullying. That person needs it the most. That person is in pain. That's why he's doing what he's doing. Maybe God wants to use you to go to Nineveh and reach out. That's why you're here in this world. That's why I exist. I'm here for what reason? I'm here to know God and to make Him known. I'm here, if I'm a believer, to reach out and touch people for the glory of God. I'm here to make a difference in this world. You see, every time I want to be judgmental, I need to remember what God did in my life, what God did in my life. Is there anybody on Facebook who can remember what God has done in you? Is there anybody in Logos who has forgotten what God has done in your life? Have you forgotten? That's why David said, Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is within me. And forget not all. Don't forget what he's done, what he's doing. Oh, my friends, is there anyone out there who can understand what I'm talking about? And so now watch this. Verse number six of our text in Jonah. God let a gourd, a vine, or a plant grow up over the head of Jonah. And he was happy, the Bible says. He got all excited. Why? Why? To give him some shade from the sun. So he's on the run. God in his mercy has put a, a plant over him. He's running. He's out in the open. And God's protecting him, even at the worst time of his life. And he's happy. But something happened in verse number seven. A worm came and ate the vine. Ah, yes, the same God who gave him shade also gives him worms. Oh, God, can I stop it? The same God who gave him shade gave him a worm? That's right. What did Job say when he lost everything? 
The greatest statement of all was made in Job chapter. Does anybody remember what he said when he lost his family? What did he say? What did he say? The Lord gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can you only praise him when God shades you? Can you not praise him when it's raining out? Are you only happy when everything is going right in your life? Do we not realize that that God sends the rain and he also sends the sun? But you see, there is reason why God sent a worm to destroy that plant. Stay with me. God gave him the plant. Then God gave him a worm. Then God gave him correction. God gave him. Every time God does. God's purpose in our life is to strengthen us. God's goal in our life is that we mature. To make love perfect. To mature. God is working in us so he can work through us. And God might give us a gourd, a plant. But he might take the worm to see where your loyalty is. To see how you're going to respond when, when that ugly death line comes in or the Ninevites comes how do you respond so God might allow a situation where a Ninevite might come and meet you God might allow a situation where a worm might be at your door how do you respond to that worm are you going to praise him when the worms come are you going to praise him when the rain comes are you going to praise him when the Ninevites or are you like the weak brother who can only praise God when it's sunny outside if that's you you're not mature you're weak you're judgmental Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 13. Watch this. Watch this. Look what it says. Second Chronicles chapter. Look what it says here. Watch this now. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain. Or if I command the locust to devour the land. Or if I send pestilence among my people. Wow. Then if my people who are called by my name shall humble myself and pray and seek my face and Turn from their wicked way, I will hear the land. So what is God saying? I'm sending the pestilence so you can turn from your wicked ways. I'm sending you the locust so that you can call upon me, so you can turn to me. God will allow you, my friends, to go through suffering and pain so that you can turn to him. God will allow a Ninevite in your house so that you can turn to him. God will allow certain things to take place in your life so you can... Turn to him and he will heal the land. You see, every time you want to be judgmental, remember that. Remember that. And now Jonah's upset because the shade is gone. Jonah's upset because the shade is gone. He seems to be upset all the time. You see, God will shade your ignorance for a while, brothers and sisters. But sooner or later, God will give a worm to take away the shade and expose the ignorance. Expose it for what it is. And that's why it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 11. Just because judgment is not executed speedily against the wicked. Doesn't mean it won't be executed. God gave time. He allowed it to happen for a reason. But now God is going deeper. He's doing something in Jonah's life. He's working on Jonah. He was on the run. But now God has him where he wants him. And that's how it is with all of us friends. He's working in your life. You may not see his hand. He's leading you by the spirit. And sometimes the current of the Holy Spirit leads you upon shores that you're not familiar with. But there's a reason when the whales, the fish spat out Jonah right on the shores of Nineveh. But there's a reason God is going to do something. He's dealing with you. He's dealing with your heart. He's dealing with issues that you don't want to be exposed. Issues that, that you don't want anybody to know about. 
And so a worm will come to expose the darkness. You see, brothers and sisters, watch this now. God sent that worm. And in the morning, God sent the plant. And in the evening, he sent the worm. And the worm ate the plant and the plant died and Jonah's angry and Jonah loves plants it seems more than people and that's the problem. There are people that love their dogs more than people. There are people that love their cats more than people. There are people that love their toys more than people. There are people that love their activities more than people. And that, and, and, and that, that should never be. We have more compassion for a cat than we do for a human being. More compassion for, for a bird than we do for a Ninevite whom Jesus died for. Have we forgotten that God is still concerned about people? And that you are the Jonas of this world, my brother and my sister. The Jonahs that God has called to reach this world. I've got to close. But... You see, Jonah thinks he's better than all of them. Look how sinful they are, Lord. I got to ask somebody on Facebook this morning or somebody on YouTube. What is your blind spot? Who is suffering because you can't give mercy? Oh God. Who is suffering because you think you own mercy? Who is suffering? Who are you to deny someone else's mercy? Who am I to deny someone else's mercy? Oh, my friend, can you look deep within your heart this morning? Ask God to search you and to examine your heart. Who are you hurting because of your ignorance? Who are you hurting because of your blind spot? Oh, my friend, oh, my friend, despite all the charities you might give, despite all the prayer meetings you attend, someone is hurting because you are living in your blind spots. My God, listen to me, listen to me. I know there's people watching me today. Yeah, yeah, you're on Facebook. I see it and that they're living in their blind spots husbands out there wives out there who, who don't love their husbands who don't care for their husbands anymore a son out there a daughter out there a friend out there a neighbor out there yes you're, you're angry with them but they're hurting because your lack of attention your lack of love your lack of love you're not showing mercy you're not showing his grace you're holding them hostage because of something something that's happened you're holding them hostage because you've been bitter over for something you're holding them hostage because you haven't been able to let go of something and you don't want to let them back in because you think they're better than them
I'm wondering this morning if God's presence will melt our hearts. Psalm 97, the mountains melt in the presence of the Lord. Lord, if my heart is hard today, if, I, if I've got unforgiveness in my heart and bitterness, Lord, will you touch my heart? Oh, my friend, what's happened to you? What's happened to me? Have you turned into clay? Have you become like that hard-boiled egg? Have you lost your compassion? Has your pain blinded you? Has your bitterness hurt you? Do you know why animals don't speak? Do you know why our dogs have got a dog? Do you know why dogs don't speak? So that they can show us that true love is not expressed with words, but with actions. Oh, that's for free, but you can write it down. Let me close now. I'm going to close. True story. A man went to church many years ago, but he forgot to turn off his phone. Now that happens all the time when I'm preaching. No problem, I, I make light of it. But he went to church and the phone rang disturbed the pastor after the service the pastor scolded him the worship team rebuked him and that night he was a young Christian just saved a few weeks actually that night that man went to where he was accustomed to the bar he was so hurt and devastated he went to the bar went to drown his sorrows with some alcohol so he went to the bar he was in shock Still couldn't get over all these people in church rebuking him because he, something he did in ignorance. Well, he dropped his drink by accident on the table and it splashed on some people. And those who were splashed, the drink that splashed on, they rushed towards the man. And as they rushed towards him, and he closed his eyes because they thought, they, they thought that he thought that maybe they were going to hurt him. Instead, they asked him, Sir, uh, is everything okay? Have you got a cut from the glass? We can take care. The waiter gave him a napkin to clean himself. The janitor mopped the floor. The manager gave him a drink and smiled. She said, Don't, don't worry about it, sir. Who doesn't make mistakes? <sighs> Interesting because. That man had not stopped going to that bar ever since. Sometimes we as Christians can really hurt people and we don't even realize what we're doing. That man went back to the bar. I'm saying this because, brothers and sisters, we need to ask the Lord to open our hearts if there are blind spots that we do not see. And I've seen this a lot. 
people who can wax eloquent and preach a sermon, might, but they, they're hurting people. They don't see. Family members hurting people. They don't see. Like they'll see you go to church on Sunday, but when you come home, you don't even want to look at the Ninevite. When will our vertical catch up with our horizontal? That's the whole purpose in why Jesus came to this world to seek and save the lost. Jude 23 says, and here it is, probably the most important scripture that you'll probably hear today and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Look at 22, verse 22 and 23. And of some have compassion. Notice, making a difference. Now, verse 23, please. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. What is Jude saying? Oh, church of Jesus Christ. You want to know your mission? You want to know your goal? You want to know your raison d'etre? You want to know your purpose? Have compassion. And how's that seen? By snatching people out of the fire. By going to Nineveh or anywhere and trying to do what you can to bring people into the truth of Jesus Christ. That, my friend, is what it's all Not how many degrees you have. How many scriptures you can quote. But do you have compassion to love somebody? And to bless someone who persecutes you? To pray for those that harm you, but yet you're blessing them because you have experienced forgiveness. How? If I have experienced forgiveness, can I not forgive my brother? Let's all stand together, please. Pastor Joss, we sang the song, Faithful. Can we sing it again? The song we just sang about faithfulness. The goodness of God. Yeah. I want nobody to leave. Please just give me two more seconds. Every head bowed. This is a very important because I want to bring out the baptismal candidates. We're going to be praying for them in a moment. But before I invite them to come, I just need to, I need to speak to, to all of us this morning. I need to pray with you. I need to ask you one more question. I, I just need to know where you stand before God. I, I mean, is your vertical matching up to your horizontal? That's the question. 
Do people see Jesus in me? If you met you, would you love you? Would you like you? Or is there a blind spot? There's a hindrance. There's, there's something inside of you that's blocking you. You, you can't let go of, of that Ninevite. You can't get let go of that, that son who, who's insulted my family's name. That daughter who has brought nothing but devastation to my home. That friend that said all manner of evil against me for no reason. I, I can't. I just can't. Well, you know what, my brother and sister? God forgave you. Have you forgotten what you've done? Every head bowed, please. <sighs> Father, oh, Lord, I lift up every person in this room, all of us, from the pastoral staff right to the nursery in our basement. lift up everyone before you today I ask that your mercy Lord would come to us today your mercy your grace your goodness if there's any hearts that have been hardened over the years through unforgiveness and bitterness hearts that just can't let go of what she did what he did can't seem to let it go and it's festering and it's I can't and like Jonah I'm running away to Spain I'm running to Tarshish I'm not going to face the Ninevites no I'm going to I'm going to run away I can't face them I don't want to see them I, I despise them I, even if God is telling me to love them my God if that's you I'm not going to ask you to come forward because we're having the candidates come in a few moments but I can ask you to look within your heart and as David said Lord search me Lord Lord search me and see if there's anything any wicked something in me I don't want to have these blind spots anymore Lord my God touch my heart soften my heart You have not abandoned me, Lord, all these years. You are faithful, merciful. Help me to show your mercy. Help me to forgive. To love as you loved. To see through the lens of the Holy Spirit. That, that person who's so hard is the one that needs the love the most. Let me be an extension of your love, Lord. If that's your desire, all I'm asking you to is just to raise your hand before God. Because God, He sees your hand, He sees your, your life, He knows your name, He sees your, where you live, and He knows what you're going through.
Father, touch that soul, I pray. Touch that person right now. Let them see that person they might have ought with through your eyes even now. Let, let them see that Ninevite that seems so despising. Let them see that Ninevite through your eyes, O oh Lord. And give us the strength to be able to do the things that I cannot do in my own strength, Lord. I need you. I need you, Lord. Help me to be your ambassador today. In Jesus' name. Come on, Jonah, you got to sing it out. Oh, my day. Oh, God. I've been held in your hand. I can never forget that, Lord. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of all the baptismal candidates to come forward I want to tell you how much joy I have we just had a baptismal when was the last service we had to come this way over here in May. in May and we have all these wonderful people here today what a joy I want to tell you something there's no greater privilege I almost lost it in the tank but there's no greater privilege in life for a believer to see someone give their life to Christ. Is there a greater joy than that? Do you know that the Bible says, the Bible says that the angels, you don't see them rejoicing outside of this realm, except when they're praising Jesus. The angels rejoice over one soul that repents. You don't see that anywhere else. In other words, the angels get excited. 
Oh, don't ever stop getting excited when someone gets saved. And now guess what? What God's asking you to do now. He's asking you to take what he's given you. What you've experienced. And share it with others. Invite my wife to hand out the baptismal candidates, all the their certificates. Now, when you see that, maybe you're going to put it on your dresser, maybe you'll hang it on the wall, whatever you want to do you see that when you go into your room wherever that plate this certificate might be you walk by that don't forget how God has shown you mercy and now you take his mercy and you show it to someone else invite the pastors to come forward please Helen please just come to put your hand on somebody Pastor Josh is there anybody you can play? You can do that, Josh. I want you, your, your Pastor Josh. Will you please come? Can you play the? You can, yeah, just play something. I want you to come. I want everybody to stretch for. Maybe you might feel a little uncomfortable doing that if you're not accustomed to. Just stretch forth your hand towards these people. We're just praying. In the Bible, it speaks of raising your hands in prayer. So we're just raising our hand, point of contact, so to speak, and we're just going to be praying for these wonderful people. I'm going to ask each pastor that's here to pray. So Pastor Melly, if you can pray. Pastor Josh, Pastor Julio, Pastor Helen, and then my, my wife, and then I will close. We're just praying for these wonderful candidates, and we're just praying for God's blessing. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for a life that is surrendered to you. Father God, I lift up Caroline to you this morning as she has surrendered herself to you and shared with us, Lord, outwardly what you have done inwardly in her heart, God, as she goes through the days ahead in her life that you have ordained, that you have orchestrated. Father God, in the name of Jesus, wherever you take her feet, may they be carriers of your truth. Lord Jesus, your word says, blessed on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news. May she be a carrier of your good news. In the name of Jesus, I pray every person coming in contact with her life would taste and see of the peace and the goodness of God. In Jesus' mighty name, bless her, I ask. Amen. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for each and every one who is here. There's some that are new, some that I've known, and what a blessing all of them have been to come to know. And Lord, we as a church, it is our privilege when you bring us into your ministry, Lord, because you were at work in these lives way before we even knew who they were. And I thank you, Lord, that you have guided each and every one of them brought them into the presence of how real you are 
how important they are to you, how much you love them and care for them. And Lord, only you know the plans that you have for each and every one. But we know that those plans are wonderful and perfect and glorious. And Lord, I pray that they would always cling on to you and cling on to your joy. In bad times, they cling on to your joy. In good times, they cling on to your joy. In challenges, they cling on to your joy. And that they would continue to remember that they are a new creation, Lord. They have a new beginning. They are born again. The baptism here today proclaimed that publicly to everyone and they, in their hearts, know this. And Lord, may that be fresh in their lives each and every day as they become a light and salt to each and every person that they interact with. We love you and we thank you for all of them. We praise your name in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, O oh God, for these baptism candidates, O oh God. Heavenly Father, we pray for divine protection, O oh God. Lord, you know, O oh God, Father, Lord, the things that come against us as Christians, O oh God. And Father, when we are baptized, O oh God, it's not a sign to the church, but it's a sign to the world that we are for Christ. And Lord, we know that comes with, O oh God, many things, O oh God. But Father, I ask, O oh God, that you, O oh God, would gird them, O oh God, with your armor, Heavenly Father. Lord, that you would put your angels around them, Heavenly Father. But Lord, more importantly, I ask that you would open their mouths to share your good news, O oh God. Lord, Father, this is why we are here, O oh God. We are not here, O oh God, just to sit in a service, O oh God. We're not here, O oh God, just to sing a few songs. But Lord, we are here, O oh God, to see lives transformed, oh God. So Lord, I ask, oh God, that you would touch, oh God, each one of these, oh God. Lord, anoint them to share your word with those around them, oh God. Let this baptism be a testimony. Lord, it says in your word that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So Lord, this morning, would you take this testimony, oh God, Father of these people, and let it go forth, oh God. Let it go forth to those around in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for fresh beginnings and a new start. And Lord, we rejoice in the fresh beginnings that you have put in these baptismal candidates, Lord. We love you. We rejoice in the goodness of your mercy and your grace. And I pray that, Lord, that you just fill and continue to fill each one with your blessed spirit, Lord. May they shine brightly to everywhere that they go with their friends, their families, to those they don't even know, Lord. I pray that you would use them. And Lord, that your hand of protection would be upon them in these coming days, Lord, now and forevermore. May they grow in your grace and your mercy. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. There is joy in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you this morning, oh God. Our hearts rejoice. Rejoice for the great things that you have done, Lord. Father, we thank you for each and every single baptismal candidate, Lord. Adriana and Shrestha and Aaron and Dean and Lord Karina. Father, we pray your blessing upon each and every single one of them, Lord. Father, we thank you for this step of faith that they have taken today. 
And Lord Jesus, like Jabez, I pray, Father, you would enlarge their boundaries, enlarge their hearts, give them an insatiable hunger for your word, for you, Lord. Father, put passion in their hearts like never before, oh God. Lord, we know how the enemy is, Lord. Your word says in Mark that Satan cometh immediately to take away the word that's been sown. And so, Father, we pray a hedge of protection upon them. We pray the blood of Jesus Jesus upon their hearts, upon their minds, upon their families, oh God. And Lord Jesus, we just pray, Father, that they would be your ambassadors, Lord. Father, you've done a great work in their lives, oh God. And Lord, it's not finished yet, oh God, just as one of them said, Lord. And Father, we just pray your anointing, your fresh anointing. And Lord, as they go forth today, Father, Lord, I pray you use them as your instruments of love, of joy, of peace, oh God, of your gospel, Lord. May they go forth in power and in might and in the boldness of the Lord. And so, Father, bless each and every single one of them. We commit them to you. And Lord Jesus, as a church, we continuously pray for them, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing now and what you will continue to do in their lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. We have some refreshments at the end, some goodies. I want to personally invite you to our Thanksgiving banquet, brothers and sisters, where we have fellowship and love. We want to see you all there. Let's all stand together. When I think about the Lord. When I think about the Lord. God bless you all. And we'll see you again very, very soon. The Lord be with you.